we're trying to create a sort of self-reinforcing hype train it's that accelerates under its own power. More like an, an anti-fragile marketing system, right. if you will. Mm-hmm. Yep. That gains by people being confused about it. Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 12D2 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm relearning how to program. I'm Sam and I write a lot of words. And today is Spooktober Spook 30. So spookin'. 2000 Spookin' Teen. <laughs> uh, Spooktober. <laughs> Spooktober has been a spooky month. It Fortunately, been. it's only one week long. Yeah. Yeah. So we got, we got that going for it. Although... Actually, you know what? Spook, Spooktober, the week, has actually been much better than the rest of October, the month. That's true. Yeah. I think spooking is actually it's, it's sort of a positive. Yeah, it's kind of brought life back. Yeah. Oddly. With I think all the skeletons and spooky uh-huh. things. Also, before we go any deeper, mm-hmm. we have a warning. We're going to be swearing. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on. Yeah, I think so. Spooky is also just one of my favorite words, I think. Generally speaking, because mm-hmm. it's it means scary, but it sounds but it's funny. cute. It's, yeah, cute. it's more like ironically scary. Yeah, like, like some, w- whenever we walk in the basement, sometimes now it's Halloween. You know, around that time, then some be like, oh, "It's very spooky down here." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a I got a little skeleton hanging on my lamp yep. outside. Isn't it's he cute like, over there? He's like hugging the lamp. It's like oh, it's so spooky. Yeah, yeah, I was actually I was looking at him when I walked in today, and I was like, "What's he looking at?" Because he's looking through. He's looking into the lamp. So he was supposed like to be facing outward. But so here's the the irony of that skeleton is we got that skeleton years ago when we were living in an apartment and we just hung him on the front door and we needed to name it. So Sampy chose the name Sparky for the skeleton. Okay. Very spooky. Now Uh he's hanging on a lamppost and we can't keep him from just gazing directly into the electrical beam of the light. And we're (laughs) like, now we know. Now we know why his name is Sparky. Favorite is our dad put up, uh, uh, they put up uh, skeletons, posable skeletons. And they're lounging on like they're on the fence that sort of goes up the steps, and so, so spooky. and but their their pelvis. I mean, the, the way that they got them on there, I think, was that the you know the uh, what are those called like the little ball sort of banister things at the end of a of a stairwell, um, where there's a, a ball on top of the post that holds the whole stairs together. So the the Dude, skeletons themselves, the, <laughs> the ball goes through their pelvis, which is like what's anchoring on there. So he sent a picture of this in, and there's these skeletons kind of just lounging. It looks like they're sunbathing on this porch. <laughs> Very spooky. Yeah, so spooky. I got chills. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So let's get on to some news. Uh, So this week we got actually some particularly zany things happening. Mm -hmm. But first, let's let's hit the not not spooky though. Just zany. Only zany. Well, there's some spooky stuff later in the news. Oh my god. We'll talk about it. So get your spook pants on. All right. Uh, So first. Dwarven Jester sent us some candy. Oh my gosh. Over at mailbox.bscotch.net. This is not the spooky news. This is not the spooky news. It was fucking delicious. Yes. So thank you very much for that. We did eat all of it. It is I think it was a day and a half. In a day and a half. It was just two boxes of these delicious, was it sponge candies? Is that the term? Yeah. But yeah. it's like that honey, it's like that crispy honey. Now stuff the butter there. cave, which is the name of our studio down here, like our location, mm-hmm. the butter cave is like a candy incinerator. Really is. Yep. Like Andy brought Andy brought in some Reese's peanut butter cups last week too. He's oh, like, Yeah, I got a, these. This is a huge bag. It was, it was a huge, like a trick-or-treater size bag. bag. Yeah. It was like like within 18 minutes, just completely decimated. To be fair, I'm pretty sure it took most of one day. No, I don't think so. Because <laughs> we, I think he got it at past noon. That's possible. <laughs> but it was a jam day, so we had a full eight hours to finish. Oh, yeah. Fair. So, fair. Point taken. I ate the final one the next morning. Okay. So, so there was one remaining? There was one remaining. You got to fuel oversight. those brain lobes with sugars. Yeah, I know. Um, also, we have an update to the Shenani shop, which is over at shop.bscash.net. It's our new uh, merch store. We got some... Requests for two XL shirts, and so we got we got some of those coming in soon. Mm-hmm. Just for the OG shirt to start with, so we can see how it do. Yeah, that's the the black shirt with the studio logo mm-hmm. on the front. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna have those coming. So keep your eye on that if you've been if you've been looking for those. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so on to the the meat. First thing we left on a cliffhanger last week. Yeah, we got to get this out of the way, which is. If we're going to write a book that's so boring that it's meant to put you to sleep, which celebrity are we going to contract to narrate the audible version? Mm-hmm. I know you all have been on the edge of your seats this entire week. Everybody has <laughs> been thinking we've about gotten this. 
billions of tweets, uh-huh. uh, paper airplanes, yep. post-its, yep. Uh, notebooks, uh, sketch pads, etch sketches you know, just... Any form of communication. Every, smoke signals, Morse code. <laughs> just uh, everything. <laughs> well, sign language. Who you got? Who's your person? Oh, Matthew McConaughey. Oh. I got a very a, soothing voice. Kind of a similar direction. I was thinking Nicolas Cage. <laughs> what if they tag-teamed it? <laughs> or what if they did it in harmony? Ooh, yeah. So it sounds like a choral sort of yeah. hum. Yeah. Mm. And what if randomly <laughs> Christopher Walken would speak one sentence? You just, you just kind of jump in there. Yeah. The problem is that might be too interesting. Yeah, I think it would. Yeah, be. but but, you know? but if you were listening to it constantly, I feel like it would the the chaos of the actually of the cadence would I think eventually just knock you unconscious. You. Yeah, because you wouldn't your brain would stop functioning. You'd just be like, what the fuck is even happening? Actually, if we had William Shatner, <laughs> yes, and, and Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken alternating chapters, alternating sentences, that would be yeah, very sentences. confusing. Yes, and have a lot of unnecessary pauses, which I yeah. think would make it more boring. So that's good. So we'll be we'll good be plan. working on that. Um, all right. Now the big announcements. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Which going first, first crashes is coming out in China this week. Yeah. <laughs> on <laughs> we Thursday. That's what we were going to talk about last week, but forgot about yeah. for some reason. So this has been a work in progress for some time. Otherwise known as a year. I uh, assume we're fully out under NDA because they've announced it. It is, right? it so is fully just, announced. It is out. Fully we can announced. talk about it. We can't talk a lot about sort of the process behind mm-hmm. getting it there. Um, but it's been a it's been a very culturally enlightening experience. Yes, went to learn a lot about China, and thankfully, um, Sure, who is our game mechanic, he's from China, so it's very nice that cultural. Was a very worked out, very perfectly. serendipitous. Yeah, um, and so he speaks he speaks the language, he reads it, he writes it. You know, he knows the culture, he knows the memes. Most importantly, most importantly, he's in tune with the memes. So we made some comics based on the memes. And did a bunch of other sort of fun things mm-hmm. to just, you know, kind of tie ourselves in nicely. And I, we're really excited to see what the heck happens because we have no idea. What does it yeah, even mean? Even we haven't localized crash runs into anything else except for so we were just kind like, of picked the hardest <laughs> place. Well, yeah. we didn't. I mean, it was more that we were going to get support from our publisher mm-hmm. to translate it because we don't we don't have a publisher outside of this very specific scenario. Correct. And right. So they took on all the initial administrative they helped a lot and cost burden of figuring yeah. out how in the hell to translate 50,000 words of weird wacky english puns that nobody in the world has ever written before into culturally appropriate chinese weird that wacky puns still funny that yeah. are still funny yeah this is this is a the biggest challenge of actually our games in general is all the humor in our games it largely revolves around wordplay and uh, shit, what's the what's when you like take two words? Portmanteaus, portmanteaus right? <laughs> yeah. So like the names of things are just like two English words smashed together. Saw grass, saw grass. Yeah, that is fortunately a real thing. But almost yeah. everything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's more just we just stuck those with other ones that are more like the. Got to be a good example. Coldy spin popper. Yeah, the coldy spin popper, the Bernie lid flipper. How you want to? Yeah, how are you <laughs> yeah. going to go about doing that? Because also, a lot of languages don't allow for the the level of flexibility that English does. Where to in just English, like twist words around. Where in English, you could turn any noun into a verb if you want. Yeah, you know, just by just with confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you actually, you just, just turn just any part of speech into any other part of speech. Yeah, it's all about attitude. Just yeah. posture. Just <laughs> do know? what you want. So it's not yeah. really allowed. And so, so crashes is coming out. So it is coming out. At the end of this week, it's coming out on the Wii game platform, which mm-hmm. is run by Tencent. It's kind of like their their Chinese answer to Steam, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, um, and so we're doing a, a PC version over there. Uh, no localized mobile stuff. It's just mm-hmm. just this one. Um, and actually, the name of the game in Chinese is not Crashlands. Mm-hmm. It's Collapsing uh, continent, collapsing continent, mm-hmm. which is pretty dope and kind of spooky. Yeah, it's very spooky. Mm-hmm. So, also, so. we want to talk about the origin of that because it is kind of an interesting origin. Story. I don't know. Is, are we? Well, is it against the rules? Well, hang on. Let's hang on to that. We'll see. Okay. We talk about <laughs> it's probably fine. I think it's fine. I think it's, I think fine. it's fine. I go. For All it. right. So here's so Crashlands, as some of you may know, is pirated a lot somewhere out there. I just, someone pirated Crashlands. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was actually looking at our stats yesterday, and, and we broke the 10 million uh, Android users mark. Right. But Spoiler almost alert. all of them were pirates. Yeah. Right. All, like 98%. Something like that, yeah. And so... Uh, <laughs> but I was still pretty pumped because that's a big number, so I was like, it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's also kind of lame, but so it, cool. it turns out 
that there's a bunch of Chinese versions of Crashlands floating around that are pirated versions. And there are, there are teams of people over in China who, uh, they just find games. They rip, they rip them apart and hack the shit out of them and jam as many Chinese characters as they can. And they rewrite it, they translate it, they do everything. Um, and then they redistribute this fully translated localized Chinese version for free. Yep. And so it turned out the main one that was the most distributed was named this continent. Collapsing continents. Collapsing Mm -hmm. continents. Yeah. And And so, (laughs) so we were just like, all right, we're going to, we're going to roll with this for brand recognition Mm -hmm. because, because somebody else kind of got in the way and took our brand. Well, there already were like 2 million people playing it under that name. Yeah. So the concern is basically for the people who know about it, if they know about it with this name, then we, if we change the name, then now all of a sudden we're stuck, yep. right? So weirdly, we just, we're like, yeah, all right, we'll just go with that. Yep. So um, who knows if that was a good idea? I don't think anybody knows. You stole our stuff, we'll steal your name. <laughs> Call it Eve. Pirates. Call it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it be really exciting. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing the whole things are on fire all the time over here sort of thing. So it, yes. is, lo- it is, lo- is launch week yep. over here. As we know, there's no such thing as a good one. So that has, I think, already proven itself a little bit Yep. this morning. We discovered that some Chinese characters, when used in pet names, crash the game mm. for some mm. unknown reason. Fix that's going up. Fix uh-huh. is going out. Yep. Super neat. So we'll be sort of on it, on the edge of our seats uh, for this the rest of this week. It's going to be very exciting. Yeah. And I think this is, this is, I'm glad to be able to actually talk about it because this, among many other projects, are yes. just churning in the background in our studio and we come on this podcast every week and we're like, all right, in the news, none of that stuff that yeah. we're actually doing because we can't talk about it because there's NDAs and there's all sorts of shit. Well, speaking of which, and even still, we can't go through all the details, which is kind of right. sad, but you know. Scuffle Buddies. Yep. Scuffle Buddies. Very secretive That's in the That's under our own personal NDA. Uh, there's an announcement coming on Thursday, 10 a.m. CST. So keep your, keep your eyes peeled. Ew. Just peel those. Just, pe- just, just peel, peel those. Peel those corneas. Mm-hmm. It's coming. Um, th- so where should people look for that? Just go to scufflebuddies.com. Sure, I don't know. If you've signed up for the newsletter. Maybe. The uh, newsletter rolls out slowly, though. So if you know. sign up for the newsletter, just wait. Just wait. A yep. long time. Yep. And eventually it'll find and you. And then remember to check your spam folder. Yes. Repeatedly, because yep. who knows? You could also just go to the, the Butterscotch Discord at bit.ly slash Discord. Probably mm-hmm. someone in there will just know where it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Probably go to the, to the Scuffle Buddies subreddit if you aren't afraid of that scary, scary, spooky place. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm afraid of Reddit. I am also afraid but, of Reddit. Uh, hey, so, I have to go there sometimes. Yeah, so those are those are two big things. Crash is coming out in China. It's launch week. Everything's on fire. And we got a Scuffle Buddies announcement also coming out. We uh, decided to do both of those not only the same week, but the same day. Well, I think the, the problem the problem was we realized <laughs> we realized that you know things life have just is been short. too easy. You know, life is too short. You're gonna die. Yeah, you're just gonna die. You're gonna die. So you might as well just speed that shit up. You know, <laughs> just like really stress yourself. <laughs> yeah, just, just yeah. get it over with. Set you yourself know? on light. You know. Yeah. Uh, all right. So there's two other things I want to talk about before we move on to questions. These aren't news items so much as just interesting brainer sizes, which okay. are like exercises, <laughs> but for your brain tubes. Yep. Uh, so the first thing is there's a book called Antifragile, mm-hmm. which is by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Taleb. Speaking of catching things on fire, just to see if you can recover from them. Because that's basically what this book that's is. That's basically what this book is. Yeah. yeah. I was like, wait, where are you going with that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> So the book is called Anti-Fragile, and uh, the author makes a very compelling point, which is that we actually have a missing word in the English language. Missing in concept, all languages. In all languages. That he knows. He knows many languages, which he makes sure to tell you on numerous occasions throughout yeah, the book. Yeah, re- reading this book is like a nice, you get to like ride the ego wave, yeah. you know? It's like you're, very, you're learning it's stuff. It's a tsunami. You're learning <laughs> stuff, and you also like, you also get to just kind of bask in the glow of his <laughs> sort of ego. Um <laughs> So, so the idea is that, that people tend to think of things as either being fragile or robust. So something that's fragile, uh, when it's exposed to certain stressors, it breaks and otherwise nothing happens. Things that are robust tend to not break when exposed to most stressors. And of course they still will have, a, they'll, they'll still be fragile. They'll become fragile at a point. point. Yeah. Right. So things are either fragile or robust in relation to certain Things randomness basically, uh, and yeah, volatility, randomness. Mm-hmm. So you knock over a glass vase, it's fragile. You knock over like a, a steel cup, it's not. No, it's, okay. it's robust, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, then there's this third type of thing, which is anti-fragile, 
So if you think about it as a spectrum, where say like fragile is negative one on the far left, right? Robust is zero. There's something else over here at the one side of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. which is anti-fragile, which is the literal opposite of fragile. So this is a system or a thing that when it's exposed to certain stressors, it actually gets better. It gets stronger. It gets stronger, Mm -hmm. right? And this is, this is all living things are anti-fragile, mm-hmm. which is crazy. So last week, Adam talked about how his teeth were falling out because he hadn't chewed in two weeks. Yep. That's because your teeth are anti-fragile. They have to, you have to keep applying pressure to them. Otherwise, they just kind of get loose and fall out of your face. They're like, I don't need to be here anymore. Yep. Yeah. I'm out. And so your muscles are anti-fragile. Right? You go to the gym and you lift weights, which actually causes microscopic damage to your muscles, your muscle fibers. And then when your body repairs them, it repairs them stronger than they were before. Right. And so all of these are examples of basically exposing yourself to harm basically, but in certain measured amounts. Mm-hmm. Um, so of course that, enough harm, you are still fragile too. Yep. Right. Um, so if, if, uh, you lift too much weights and just rip your bicep off, that's you, you're worse off. It's probably gonna be a permanent problem for you. Yep. Yeah. And so this is actually an interesting concept because I think once you have a word for it, then you can start to recognize when you're failing to take advantage of it. So for example, if anytime you get a little bit cold, you put a coat on, you're not taking advantage of the fact that your body gets used to whatever temperature you expose it to. And the more you just always bundle up, then the colder you're going to feel just all the time. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Within a window, but yeah. Yeah. Within a window. (laughs) If it's it's zero, put a fucking coat on because otherwise you will die. Right. Right. Yeah, because you are you are anti-fragile uh, relative to cold weather, but you are fragile relative to freezing weather. Right. right? <laughs> yep. So uh, I don't know. It's just a very interesting idea. Um, well, like it's also interesting because as kids, we just don't give a fuck about anything. Right? right. We're not worried about being a little bit uncomfortable. So I, I remember being outside like all summer, every summer, like cutting down thistles and and you know mm-hmm. th- thorny vines and things with with a machete without a shirt no on, gloves, no without shirt. a glove. Yeah. Just, Maybe some sandals. And you know what that lucky. did? Yeah. You know what that did? It toughened you up. Yeah. And now, character. This is, but this now is I'm very why, weak because I would not go out yeah. and do that again. <laughs> yeah, because you haven't done it in a long time, yep. which means you've your systems have degraded. Yep. So you can't handle that kind of shit anymore. Yep. Right? So so weirdly, and so an, an anti-fragile system gets stronger in response to stressors, but it also gets weaker without them. And is, our brains are also anti-fragile systems. You have to constantly be using it, otherwise mm-hmm. it deteriorates. Well, actually, and, yeah, so and I throwing this, it at new things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I found this over the last uh, two months or so. There's about a four-week window where just due to a bunch of other stuff we were doing in the studio, I just wasn't, I didn't actually, uh, I wasn't reading anything outside of work. And that was probably the first like large chunk of time this entire year where I just wasn't, there wasn't a thing that I was sort of just generally mulling over or feeding just on. Just packing knowledge in. Yeah. And I, I slowly toward the end of it, I just started getting like weird. I just kind of started feeling kind of dumb. <laughs> just <laughs> I got dumb. You guys, it's like, I just feel a little weird. I don't know what's going on. I can't seem to get my head straight. Um, having trouble sort of writing, just, you're not really feeling too good about stuff. Uh, and then as I was putting it together, I was like, okay, what's been going on? Like, let's do this reflection thing. Like what's, what is the difference? Because everything was going great. So there wasn't like, there was no obvious thing. So I was like, okay, has anything left the scene? And then I realized I had read a book in a month. So I go pick up a book and within like two or three days was feeling right as rain again, right? <laughs> as far yep. as being able to think. And it's, I found it one of the most, one of the best ways for me to actually sort of kickstart my days. If I spend 20 minutes reading, not an article on the web, but actually just reading a book or something like that, for whatever reason, it just sort of like really primes my, my brain for thinking about stuff over the course of the day. Yeah. Uh, and so it's the thing I, I've now that I recognize that I was like, oh, OK, I can just be always, always have a thing that I am reading or sort of, you know, feeding knowledge into on the back end during work. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is I think I think it's nice to have a word for this mm-hmm. because once you have a name for something, then you can actually see it and you can identify it mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, so I don't know. I think it's it's I would like to hear from our listeners if they've had any experiences like this um, where they've like toughened themselves up. Mm-hmm. Or had periods where they didn't do something for a long time and then discovered, oh my God, this thing is impossible now when it used to be so fucking easy, right. you know? Because mm-hmm. you'll find that it's basically a constant force throughout your life. Um, so that's the one book, Anti Fragile. There's another book uh, called The Gray Rhino, which I think is very fascinating. Adam and I both just started reading it. Um, and the concept of a gray rhino, it's, a, it's the name for any event that is 
essentially catastrophic, like a, a large impact event. Say like the financial crisis of 2008. Right. Um, and it's, it's specifically, it's an event that you can see coming for a very long time. It's called a gray rhino. So more like global warming. Well, a lot of people did. They did. But did literally know. every rational human being knows that global warming. Sure. Right. Is a real problem. Right. right. And so and it's going to fuck time. us up real bad. Yeah. So, yeah. so the issue with, it, it's called a gray rhino because of how obvious it is in the sense that if you're standing, say like on a, on a plane and you can see out into the horizon and there's a gray rhino out there and it starts running at you and it's going to charge at you. You've got time to react because it's real far away and it's, it's real big. It's real big. You're not going to miss and it. Right? Not super agile. Right. And the one thing so that, you could get out of the way. Right. <laughs> and the one thing that will ensure that you get trampled is if you just stand there, which is generally the way that it turns out people respond to gray rhino type events. Uh, so in the case of the 2008 financial crisis, it was really there were a pretty good number of people who were in a position to do something and had all the signs and had been receiving warnings for about a decade, mm -hmm. right, about the deteriorating state of the U.S. financial system. Um, and actually, I think it was like the World Economic Report in early 2008. Um, their number one concern that they issued was, was mispricing of financial assets in the United States, right? And everybody's like, meh. And then, <laughs> and then everything well, collapses. No. Some people saw that gray rhino coming and then just bet against the United right. States. Right. Well, they 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 couldn't have <laughs> made a they fuck couldn't ton of money stop it. it yeah. So they just wrote it. Well, no, but also <laughs> they where's the incentive to to stop it if you can make a bunch of cash, just make a bunch of money, right? Because the people who didn't want to make a bunch of money just wanted to actually stop it. Now I had to convince all these people who would make a bunch of money if it happened to stop to just you know maybe right. not right. So so another another thing that you'll see in gray rhinos is that oftentimes people who are in a position to do something about it. Um, there are other systems in play that they are it, disincentivized. That, yeah, that incentivize them not to do something about it. So, so what do you think? Do you, are there any gray rhinos that you see in the games industry in particular that are things that are coming down the pipe? Well, here's the problem. Probably. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what makes it a gray rhino is that you don't realize that it's a problem, even though it should obviously be. I think loot boxes right? is actually the thing. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. seen all the stuff that's been happening last month, but... You mean like in-game buying in -game loot, loot, boxes loot boxes are starting to get the heat turned up on them in terms of both legality and classification as gambling. The U, there's a they're look they're under review by some committee in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, and my guess is as soon as something like something like that comes down somewhere, it's going to spread considerably. Yeah. Yep. And it's the sort of thing. If we you're talk a game about company basing your model off of loot boxes, you better have an alternative system in place. You better, you better have a switch ready um, to flip. But really, but more likely, um, but what would happen then? You know just to continue the metaphor, mm -hmm. right? Is that if this does go down and then it turns out this is now gambling and becomes regulated, then just a whole bunch of companies will go bankrupt instead. Right. Because right. they, did they should be looking and being like, hmm, maybe we should plan for this and then have a switch, have some alternative plan in place, uh, have, an, have an idea of how they're going to restructure their company in some way to compensate and just have a plan ready to go. Mm -hmm. Because this is something that isn't super unlikely, and also not very far off, so you should be able to plan for it. But most are not going to. Right? Yeah, and the reason that people tend to avoid gray rhinos, I think there's there's a couple things. You know, one is the bystander effect, which is if you can diffuse responsibility among a lot of other people. Um, so global warming is a perfect example. This affects the whole world. Yep. Right. So it's not my problem; it's everyone's problem. So let somebody else take care of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So instead, nobody takes care of it, and then everybody dies. So that's one, that's one uh, reason. Another is that, is that acknowledging a problem puts you in a position of having to decide what, what to, to do, do about it. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is why it's so like Al Gore called his movie an inconvenient truth. Right. Because fuck, it really is inconvenient to have to actually look at real problems and then do things about them. Like it's much <laughs> mm -hmm. better to just, you know, just go on with your day. And well, act yeah, as well, if the fact happened. is that you don't, you don't get to solve these problems for free either. They always come at some enormous cost, yeah. right? So when it comes to like global warming, the only way to fix it is to completely change how we do energy production and consumption. So the cost is fucking enormous, right? So you don't, you don't get to just do that. And it was a similar deal with another example in the book of, of a financial crisis in like 2001 in Argentina, I think it was, yeah. um, where everybody knew that what they would have to do to prevent this from happening, all the private institutions, all the banks and things, that had loaned the Argentinian government money would have to forgive 30% of that debt. And if everybody did that, if everybody did it, it'd be fine. Then it would be fine. And they would be able to 
cover it. Yep. They'd, be, they'd, be they'd lose. Yeah. These, all these banks would lose 30% of that, of that debt ownership, but still have the, rest the company would recover. Everything would be fine. Uh, but instead they just didn't. And as a result, the they economy lost, collapsed and right. then they lost 70% instead of 30 because that was, what, <laughs> that was what the value ended up being. Right. Even though everybody involved knew that that was a move that they had to make, but because the cost was so high to actually make the move, so this is the instead whole, people just stood there. This, whole, this is the whole, I'd rather die joke. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, you need to go, you know, maybe you need to go get your tooth pulled because otherwise it's going to do blah, 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 blah. And you're like, well, I'd just rather be dead. Yep. Because I don't well, want to Well, you will be. It. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's also like, I, it's convenient. I could, yeah, you got to stop eating ice cream every night, mm-hmm. you know, because then otherwise you'll get obesity and diabetes, et cetera. You're like, well, but I'd rather be dead if I couldn't have I can't. those things, you know, which also still could be true because for me, that is true. Right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> to each his own. Yeah. But I think, but, but again, having a name for something helps you to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the things that, that I think would be sort of prudent for us to be doing is whenever we do sort of like reviews in our studio is to just ask the question, are there any gray rhinos mm-hmm. that we need to be thinking about? Mm-hmm. And also just like now, if you see an article about something, you can just link it out and just be like, is this a gray rhino? Yeah. Right. Like, is this a thing that right. we need to be Doing not getting trampled by? <laughs> Which then goes back to the anti-fragility concept too, right? Is is you don't necessarily have to change all of the things that you do. And a lot of the premise of that book about how you deal with this is the same way that people diversify a risk in like a management portfolio of any kind, where if you, if you only bet on the thing in the middle of the bell curve, then you're going to do fine on average. On average, until, you'll do average. Yeah, until something bad happens, and then you either do great or you fail. Like those mm-hmm. are your kind of things. But if you are actually embracing this whole, this idea of anti-fragility, then you still put most of your stuff in the bell curve, but then you take a sizable fraction of your you know skill or assets or whatever, and then you basically make a whole bunch of small bets on random stuff, on, on things with unknown outcomes that are basically uncapped. Or, or more importantly, things that run counter to the market. Exactly. Like, like gold. You bet right? against yourself. So when the economy yeah. collapses, gold goes up. Yep. Right? So if you just own a little bit of gold all the time, then you know, right. you just kind of <laughs> have up. that there. You got to back up. That actually, and the idea is that as one goes down, the other goes up so that you end up fine. Right. Here's a question. But that's how you just end up with a robust portfolio. Right. Here's is by embracing anti-fragility. How would, how would you consider within this, this sort of idea paradigm, the uh, toxic player behavior online? How, what would you, does that count as, because if that's a great rhino, it's certainly already hit everybody in the face. Oh yeah. Um, that's, I think absolutely. So well, if, here's a, here's a, here's a question. The, hmm. So we, we've, we've been talking about the possibility of doing multiplayer in the future, mm-hmm. right? Is that us putting ourselves in the path of a gray rhino? Right. Knowing how bad online communities are becoming mm-hmm. and also knowing. You mean always have been. I don't think they're getting worse. I think people are. It's more obvious now. Well, I think people are actually trying, finally trying to undo the damage that has already been done. I think they are getting worse. Yeah. And the reason I think that is because there's coming into online gaming is a, is a generation of people who have always had internet anonymity and that they've never not known that. Right. True. And so when we were growing up, when, when online gaming first appeared in say like, you know, the late nineties as a common, more commonplace thing, uh, So many of the people who were gaming, all their social interactions they'd had in their entire life had been in person, fully anonymous, fully, fully anonymous, right? Which means you have to develop a certain type of decorum, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I honestly, I don't actually remember having a super toxic experience, you know, back in the, back in the day. You don't, you don't remember those PKs in Diablo 2? I do, I I I do, yeah. I didn't, but I didn't think about them. Like they weren't also being verbally. Yeah, they didn't abusive. also threaten to kill me in real life. Yeah, they were thing. exploiting the game, but you yeah. know, they um, were being dicks. I mean, they were still there. <laughs> they were still there. They were still I mean, there. yeah, but that's the thing. Like, it's it's a question of whether there is sort of like a fringe group of people who are kind of dicks, or whether Everybody. or whether the community just reinforces that behavior, right? Um, because maybe the world we live in now is just a world full of dicks. It might be. Maybe we just, we just live in dick world. <laughs> it's like the upside down. It's like the upside down. <laughs> Speaking uh, of Stranger Things Two is out. It's apparently very good. good. Very good. I've heard little, good things. Little plug for that one. Gotta. We got finished the first season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that's a good question because if we, I mean, if you read any articles about Overwatch, yeah, specifically, yeah, um, 
this has been just like the thorn and blizzard's paw, yep. you know, the entire time they've been working on this game. Well, I think is, there's an interesting component here too, though, which is that, so we, we talked about this with, uh, it's interesting that it doesn't quite exist in the same way in something like World of Warcraft, or at least didn't back in the day. It does now. It does now, but yeah. it didn't back in the day. And uh, so I, I played on uh, one of the older servers of, of uh, Burning Crusade, I think is the one, yeah. um, which is before it was super easy to just like pop in and out of gameplay. And I think this is actually part of the thing with Overwatch, with League, whatever else, is that there's actually not any downtime like between you just going in to whoop, whoop some ass, you know? There's no just hanging out moments. And so as a result, it's so action-oriented that there's not, you're not developing any social bonds that aren't happening. It's not actually a sense of community. It's just people right. you play in this game. Game, game, modern games tend to reinforce play versus social aspects, right? right. So. They streamline that experience to cut out any conceivable downtime mm-hmm. where you might have to just chat with somebody, you know, for a little Because you're walking across the world. It just takes five minutes. It takes, yeah. yeah, it takes five whole minutes to walk across the planet. <laughs> so what are you going to do to entertain yourself? <laughs> you're just going to like chat with people, you know? Yeah. And I mean, yeah, this reminds me of Wildstar did not have what I would consider to be a toxic community, mm-hmm. um, but it had a very disengaged, it didn't, I would say it didn't even have a community. It was an MMO that was kind of modeled after a lot of the sort of difficulty of old Burning Crusade, old World of Warcraft Burning Crusade. But their design philosophy was to make everything really, really exciting. So the combat was intense. If you didn't pay attention for three seconds, you would have missed something that you had to dodge and you just get one shot. Mm -hmm. Um, You had to constantly be interrupting things on a specific sequence or timer. If you miss it, you get one shot. Uh, And then even mundane things in the environment, like you'd see a butterfly, you'd touch it, and then an announcer voice comes in and it screams. It's like, challenge begins. And there's like a meter on your screen. It's like, collect as many butterflies as you can. And then it's like, you got five minutes, you know, and then you get like a gold, silver or bronze medal right. for it, you know? And it's just like, you can't, you can't take a single step in that game without a, an over the top announcer screaming at you to do something. Right. Right. Well, I think it's interesting. So the game it, collapsed. It, yeah. In like it, six it sucked months. all the oxygen out of the room. Yeah. For socialization. Because you had no time to just talk to people. Right. And of course, the social dynamic of particularly an MMO mm-hmm. is the thing that keeps it going. Right. Because I keep, I keep thinking about if even if something like Stardew Valley, even if they didn't, I know they're doing multiplayer next year, but even if they didn't do multiplayer, but all it was was there was just like a shared chat. Because a lot of the game, like you're just walking, you're just walking all over the damn place and then you're just like, mining stuff like you're mm-hmm. just you click once you just had someone to talk to yeah <laughs> but you don't have to click too much though because if you just if you could like automate your tasks a little bit because then that's true they don't take a, they don't take a long enough to do that you can well, this yeah, is why the best it. feature the best and most underappreciated feature in world of warcraft is auto run mm-hmm. yes you press a single button your character just runs forward also the fact that it actually takes you time to do stuff like mine so you'll be you just slam on this for like it's like five seconds or something usually in that time if someone else is on and i type my note yes yeah. i'm like I'm a human. I need to be constantly. <laughs> or you're, you're crafting and you're like, I got to make like 50 fucking rough blasting powders. Mm-hmm. And each one takes five seconds to craft. So we'll be here a while. Your character's sitting there just like turning away, like progress bar after progress bar. You know, you're like, yeah, I'll just have a chat with somebody. The thing is, I don't, I wonder if they even knew. I, I, I thought originally that they understood what that was doing. But of course, as the games progress and as the designs progress, they've taken I, it all away. I wonder if they didn't actually realize how that whole thing was really, really working well together, which is that they by made their this, own gray rhino. They did, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, I mean, it is an important consideration, though, if you're making a multiplayer thing. Because we, we had this discussion last week where we were talking about mm-hmm. the features of Bscotch ID. We want to rebuild in the new, you know, reinstantiated version of the thing. And we had gotten into social features and we had to ask this question of what are all the downsides of all of this? And it turns out the number of downsides is fucking enormous mm-hmm. to, to any kind of social feature you add because everything you add, you are now. Uh, as the person who made that thing ethically on the hook for any kinds of behaviors that happen inside of it. Yeah. And I mean, we, when we make a game, we get to decide what goes into it. Yep. Once we open up a channel of communication with you and the rando on the internet, right. all bets are off. That yep. could be the worst, that could be the right. worst human to human interaction so you've ever had. Back to that, <laughs> that idea of Stardew Valley. If you're in there, just enjoying your farming and then someone Somebody's just comes like, <laughs> yeah, and just like, fuck you, fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> Which yeah. is what always happens. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah. just weird. Yeah. Well, and that was the thing is we had to, we were starting to talk through all these different design mechanisms of how do we, all right, how when somebody is an it. asshole, how do we like resolve that? Or, or do we need to intercept messages and have them screened via some service that looks for negativity? You know, what, what do we need to do? And as we're talking about this, I was like, I don't want to do any of this. Can we not? Can we just not? And then if we later on, if we're like, mm, it'd be really good to have this social feature. Now we can figure out, okay, fine. Let's, let's solve 
the all thousand of these problems um, and figure out how to actually deal with it. Because of course, also as soon as as soon as you try to like block somebody, now they now they believe they're in a cat and mouse game with you. Mm-hmm. As anybody who's been on Reddit before has probably experienced, if you ever dealt <laughs> with an asshole on there, right? Uh, our moderators in our crash land subreddit were just dealing with this asshole for like two weeks that was just mm-hmm. hounding them repeatedly because he went on some like profanity riddled rant in the in one of our things, and we just have a no profanity policy. Only in Reddit, you know, mm-hmm. not in obviously life. not in life. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and he was just so angry that his post got taken down that he decided he just had to make the moderators. So he just miserable. spammed every one of the moderators. He, just he, he made new weeks. accounts. You know, like he was just doing and there was no way to escape it because it's so weird because you can't, you know. And so just what if we just just didn't have to do that? And the problem is, as you're walking down the street and you look around and you just see random people, any one of them could have been that person. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Who was it? It makes you cynical. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. So if you'd like to get your question on a future episode, go on there and ask us a question. Also, I'll, don't put any emojis in the text box. Don't do emojis because apparently that. that breaks the website. Uh-huh. It's it a legacy system. It's no good. So now we're probably going to get lots of emojis in there now. <laughs> yep. Treat it with respect or wait to take it away from you. You know, it's probably right. going to be destroyed. <laughs> That's probably That's true. true. Yep. So we'll need to we'll need to update that system yep. probably. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's I don't know about that. Yep. Get your question in before it's destroyed. Get your question in early. <laughs> All right. First question comes from La Destitute, who says, "My first commercial game dev project, which is a 2D Zelda-like game kit slash SDK, mm. is close to release. Do you guys have any advice that regarding?" Is- very hard for me to guess do what you, that would be Do you guys like. have any advice regarding handling things like marketing uh, for on release slash during the ensuing couple of weeks before that? So like the first thing is to, you're going to need a punchier sort of a yep. pitch. There Definitely. are billions of Zelda likes. Yep. So Also lots of SDKs. Yeah. Also, yeah. how is a game an SDK? I, that's this I is my question. Understand. Yeah. So Unless you're that gonna, stands for some other game genre I'm unfamiliar with. It's like an RTS, you know, Super it's just Donkey like, Kong. It's, very, <laughs> yeah, super, it's a Super Donkey Kong. Yeah, I think the, like. the big things are, so uh, it's okay to use use other games uh, as a reference point if you're, especially when you're sort of starting out and, and getting your first stuff out there. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but if you don't know what it is about your game that is like of just an interesting thing, you can just pick a thing, literally anything. You'd be like, handmade pixel graphics. People are like, oh, neat. Um, it's kind of like when you go into a restaurant and they describe the food to you and they're like fluffy buttermilk pancakes and you're like, Oh my God. Uh, yeah. But really they're just regular pancakes because right. every fucking pancake is fluffy. Well, so this, this, uh, this, uh, persuasive advertising book that I'm, uh, currently about halfway through. Is that what it's called? It's just called persuasive advertising. Persuasive so advertising. This is basically a textbook. It works um, to sell itself. And yeah. yeah, it's phenomenal. So, but so one of the like, points mm, I find this there. title persuasive. One of the points, <laughs> the points they have in there is, is uh, this idea called a USP, unique selling, uh, uh, unique selling point. And the point they make is that you can you can either have one that actually is unique or that is fakely unique because no one else is pointing it out. Yeah. So, for example, you could say, "Oh, this was made by a one-man dev team," which is a unique selling proposition. It may not be unique. Only to you, but it's interesting enough that maybe other people aren't claiming it a lot, and so it seems like a special yeah, maybe they should call it the unique enough selling point. Yes. Well, they, but the the whole point is that if you have one that is actually a real unique point, then that's of course where you get the most power. You, you can but also you it's okay. Yeah, you can also invent negatives, which by announcing them imply that the other things do that thing, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're like, this game doesn't give you diabetes, yeah, right? it's yep. like what? <laughs> I'm in. What well, about the other games, though? My favorite, my favorite example from this book was uh, was this this marketer who went and visited a brewery who were sort of working up a new ad campaign, and they were trying to find some selling point. And he saw them steaming the bottles, which is how they clean them before the beer goes in. And he's like, "That's really neat. You guys ever talked about that? No one ever talks about that." And they were like, "Well, everybody does that. You know, it's not. It's literally not special at all." <laughs> And so their their market is like doesn't matter because no one else has claimed that as their thing. And so right. they their whole thing was that their bottles were cleaned with live steam. <laughs> right. So yeah, you do that, and now somebody else can't come in and be like, "So are ours." Yeah. Because now it seems like they're copying. Yep. Yep. Right. So, so they, they copied your process. Yep. Right. So of course it's, it's weaker. <laughs> it is weaker than actually having a selling point. But if it's a case that, for example, you have this this two D Zelda like game uh, again, is, is this like is this sort of like having non GMO salt? Yes. Yeah. Or it's yeah. like or it's like having a cold Miller light. Yep. Like all they advertise is how cold it is, yeah. <laughs> which isn't a property of Miller Which is, you just itself. put it in the fridge, yeah. right? 
That's it. That's the whole thing. Yep. But they're just like, it's got to be cold. So the thing to do is to, to look at your game and to focus on some aspect of it. So we actually did this much better with uh, our earlier games than we did with uh, some of our later games. So Towel Fight, for example, the pitch we used to get to get it in front of press, which actually worked very effectively. We got in Kotaku with it, uh, was shoot animals out of your face. So we just honed right in. And that, that actually was similarly described as a Zelda-like sort of later on. We could have um, we could have called it a you know rogue roguelite story based dual thumbstick shooter you know right but all we said was shoot animals out of your face which is better right. and the press were like oh sounds like live steam to me you know <laughs> which I think I think importantly uh, comes down to we've been trying to refine our marketing brains mm-hmm. and we come to realize that you know people buy things based on the feeling that you've created mm-hmm. not based on the list of features that you've correct enumerated. Which, if you go back and look at the Crashlands trailer, sort of. Kind of a list of features. It's mm-hmm. just a list of features. Yep. I mean, yes. Fortunately, we, we also conveyed a feeling. We right. also screamed throughout, which <laughs> helped, I think, yep. to convey some kind <laughs> yep. of emotion. But, uh, but as you'll, yeah, I guess sort of the, on Thursday when we do the next Scuffle Buddies thing, mm-hmm. you might see one of the things that we think we may have learned. I guess you'll see an example of this right. conveying, conveyance of a feeling sort of mm-hmm. approach. Yeah, on a, on a budget. Years. On a budget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I would say just drill into what, just even pick one special thing about it. So I remember uh, Death Road to Canada, which is a phenomenal little pixel art game where you are, your group of survivors trying to make it to Canada during the zombie apocalypse. One of their whole points is that you can have a dog in your party who drives as a car. Mm-hmm. Like the dogs can drive cars and also I think wield guns. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I honestly, nothing about that game sounded compelling, even except the slightest, that, except for that part. Exactly. So like you and just, I almost bought it. I was like, this close. <laughs> you can sell a game on one little piece yeah. if it's just really interesting. And it doesn't have to be the mechanic. It doesn't have to be the narrative. It can be some just small, almost what it's, you'd think of. You're trying to make somebody imagine themselves playing your game. Mm-hmm. Right. And in this case, like you take that one thing, like that something awesome about having your pet doggo driving your car and <laughs> shooting zombies. Yep. Well, right. that, I think that's, I think that's awesome like, that. that's like a, you know, it's a, it's a fantasy that everybody has who has a dog. Like, <laughs> right. It'd be so badass. If Actually, this dog let's talk about another things. One. There's a new one that just came out from, uh, from the, uh, the Kit Fox studio. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, they have a new one. Yeah. So this has been blown up all over the place because of the extremely clever marketing angle of the whole thing, which is it's a, it's a dungeon crawler but where you get to date your weapons. You get to date. <laughs> so, so they, they, it's called, yeah, I gotta, it's called, I gotta check this out. It's called Boyfriend Dungeon. <laughs> and so essentially what it is, is it's like you're, a, you do monster battle, like you do normal sort of RPG dungeon crawler stuff. And then when you come back up, like you rescue weapons down there. When you come back up to service, they transform into people and you try to woo them. And date them. <laughs> That's and like, awesome. And I don't know. So don't it's know. like a dating sim dungeon crawler. Yes. Interesting. Everyone's like, this is, Amazing, right? And the name That's of the just, name of the thing just does it. Boyfriend dungeon. You're like, what? All these boyfriends are trapped in this dungeon, <laughs> and they got turned into weapons. There yeah. was also that. There was also that dad dating simulator. Yes. Yep. It was a similar mm-hmm. kind of a kind of a gist. We're yep. just like all just these, the whole all concept. Dads. Yeah. The whole concept was just Fisher was like, gotta check this out. Gotta yep. understand. Yeah. So I think it's just understanding what it, and it, in some game cases you have a mechanic like boyfriend dungeon that is essentially so compelling just by itself or goat simulator, right? Yeah, like, but again, you can also just, you can just <laughs> add the one thing. You know, so if, if you've got a game and there's a dog in it, then you could be like, what if this dog could drive my car? Right. You know, um, then that's, that's mm-hmm. like, and we, our, our friends from Rack 7, I'm not going to talk about their game, mm-hmm. you know, but they have done something. And one of the things that they're working on that sort of captures all of this perfectly, yeah. where it's just like every, everything you look at, you're like, this didn't need to happen. There's no reason for this to be happening. <laughs> but, but it is very music. But it is very But music. I think I think importantly and sufficient in this secret game that Rack Seven is working on that we're not gonna talk about. <laughs> uh, they they did a really great job of anticipating the moments where the player would go, I wonder if I can do this. Yeah, and right. then sure enough, you can do that, yep. even though you totally yep. shouldn't be able to, and there's no reason to do it. Yep. Right. So <laughs> Yeah, so that's the thing. Is if you're looking at your game and you're and you're asking, you know, if if you feel like, oh, this is I just have to compare this to other things that already exist. I don't really know kind of what sets it apart. Just ask, is there a thing I can do? You know, is there like, is there one thing, some small thing I can add or change or whatever that's going to take this, that's going to become that unique selling point because it's compelling enough that someone's going to be like, I, I have to know what this means. Yeah. And things like people, we had plenty of notes from people who said like, I literally bought this game because of the trailer. Yep. The unique selling point in the trailer was 
this is just patently absurd. Like the whole thing was just ridiculous. Yeah, which is the lesson we took from Battle Block Theater. Mm-hmm. Just watching their trailer, where again, like I watched that because it, it looked like a, it was like a two D puzzle platformer. Mm-hmm. And normally I would not be interested. I would in the never slightest. buy that. Right. But but I and I but I watched the, the the few trailers for it, and I was just so hooked on the vibe that they were selling that I was like, I wonder if this carries through in the game experience. Because mm-hmm. if that was going to be my experience, if it was anything like the trailer, it was going to be worth having. Right. Well, actually, I think we we did miss the mark there because Crashlands is pretty chill. Yeah, doesn't quite. Oh, yeah, and our trailer is sort of a scream fest. Yeah, yeah. trailer's so. got no chill in it. Nope. So, so there's that. There's still worked okay. But yeah. I think also importantly, <laughs> nobody seemed to feel misled. Also, which is well, importantly, the Battle Block Theater trailer is just jokes. So they'll, yeah, be like, yeah. they'll be like, realistic hair physics. And then they just like show a, a, like 2D, a, sprite. Like a 2D sprite. <laughs> uh, but our trailer, we actually. We put the real features. We actually have real features. We made jokes it. about them, but it is still the real features. Yeah. yeah. So we thought that was a step up, but nobody Who cares knows? about features. Nope. Nobody, nobody gives a shit about features. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So pick, pick a thing that your game is doing, or maybe there's a boss fight that is particularly interesting. And you're like, in this game, you get to you know punch a sentient pinata to death. Very interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if you Color want, if you want great marketing examples, just go back and watch No Man's Sky videos <laughs> because they had no, one. They had one quintillion. That was that yeah. was their USP. Like their one angle yeah. was it's a really it's universe. really fucking big. Yep, this game is so big, and so the people would be like, "Is there multiplayer?" They'd be like, "Let's just say if there was, it wouldn't even matter because it's so fucking big, right?" There's 18 quintillion planets. They how could you ever find anybody? How could you ever find anybody? They should have just said no. They should have said no. So don't. Well, no, but not <laughs> <don't> necessarily. <laughs> the, because the whole idea of this is that no, you should always reframe it back to the back to your unique side. Well, they should. Well, they should. did a great job of. They just didn't control the other side of right. they forgot to also say no after they right exactly right, right. so they, yep. they could have said we we can't do multiplayer because the universe it would is be so pointless big, because right. it's so big right. so yeah so they forgot that first part yeah uh, so no we got we got to spend all of our development time making it even bigger and we don't you, have time and if you watch like in in almost all of their their pre-launch gameplay videos the player doesn't do anything at all except walk around and look at stuff yeah but and, it looks good and they'll, they'll and it's real big and if they do like developer commentary they'll they'll be like all they do is talk about how you're discovering all these things for the first time because the universe is so big that nobody else has been to this planet before. Nobody else has seen this unique combination of creature parts. Yep. They'll you know. look up into the sky and be like, you see that planet there? We could go there. And it's yeah. just as much stuff on that planet as you're on this planet. Maybe even more. Who knows? We don't even, we don't know what's there. It's crazy. Right. <laughs> so that was just their whole pitch. And every, every single time they were asked about features, they always yep. just moved it back into talking about how big the game is. Mm-hmm. So that's really, so the other part of that lesson is, you know, be careful. Be careful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be careful what expectations you set up. Yep. But recognize that people get excited about things based on feelings, not on specific right. features. Well, it's actually something really nice that we're able to do with this, the way we're handling the marketing with Scuffle Buddies that's so different from Crashlands because we, we basically gave everything away immediately with Crashlands. And also- We were posting dev blogs after like three months. Right. <laughs> and, and so, but the thing is that the overall feeling of the game actually did not change, but we didn't recognize that that's what was, that was what the concrete thing was at that time that we should have been talking about as opposed to all the systems and things that were going to be you know, thrown in the trash or gutted later and that sort of thing. Um, and the nice thing about the approach we're taking now is, is it's actually very modular. So we're just sort of throwing out a piece at a time and we're able to see what people get excited about and then react and modify things for the next message so that things either get more uh, solidified or they get sort of course corrected. We're so trying to see- create a sort of self-reinforcing hype train It's that accelerates under its own power. More like an, an anti-fragile marketing system, right. if you will. Mm-hmm. Yep. That gains by people being confused about it <laughs> <laughs> in the short term. That is, that is true because, I mean, we were, we were, we've been talking with other um, sort of marketing veterans mm-hmm. in the game. That we've been seeking out mentors. Sam specifically has mm-hmm. been seeking out mentors to talk about, like, what, what should we do? Like, how do, we, how do we get people pumped about this game? And they were like, you know, like, all those things you did do, just don't, don't do, do those things because, because like, you got to understand that you basically have two things you're trying to do. You're trying to get people really excited and you're trying to get people to talk. Mm-hmm. You're not just trying to tell people stuff, and they'll and you like it's not that you're going to say here is the list of features in my game, and that person's going to go, I have memorized the list of features. I will purchase you know, the game. I, actually, I don't. I don't know if anybody else is. I don't read the Steam descriptions in the store. No, I don't either. I was just thinking about how I bought Divinity Original Sin two because two weeks ago Sam was like, Hey, 
or I, I mentioned Sam. I was like, I'm, I'm trying to find some kind of RPG to play because I haven't played a single player RPG in forever. And uh, Sam was like, you should check out this Divinity Original Sin. I was like, all right. And then I opened up the trailer. I was like, good enough. And I just, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah for me, it's, I don't, and I don't even read the short description. No, I don't read any of it. I just, I look, I look at the you visual. The video, I looked at the trailer and I looked video. at the review scores. Yep. Yep. And I flipped through a few videos trying to find gameplay since nobody shows any. Yes. To get a sense of like, what would it feel like to play the game? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think I, I, I looked at the review score overall and then I looked at some of the negative reviews just yep. to see, cause I'm like, what are people mad about? And it's almost invariably people who have like just dumb stuff. They've got like 8,000 hours in the game and they're like nitpicking about some bullshit. So I'm like, perfect. This game must be fantastic. (laughs) Right. right? (laughs) So I played it and actually I didn't enjoy it for the first couple of hours, (laughs) but I was like, there must be something here. So I kept going at it and it's fantastic. It just, it sort of has a, has a warm up, has a long warm up. (laughs) As many PC games do. But again, I didn't actually know what was in this game because I watched the trailer read a review, and then bought it. Yeah, your level yeah. of informedness is quite low. I am completely yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's how I want yeah. it, because I want to be surprised. I don't want to just know everything that's going to happen mm-hmm. in this game. Yeah. Right? And that is the other thing. Is every, time I, every time I find a thing with, with legit gameplay videos, I don't think I've ever seen one where I was actually more excited after watching the gameplay videos, even though to me they're sort of a requirement. Like, I need to mm. see it, but I'm always it's a little bit, so I'm always a, just like, oh, I still don't know, you know, right. but I still want like I want that information that I don't even use. I would view the gameplay video not as a not as a selling mechanism, but as a reassuring mechanism. Right, right. So reducing you, the you risk. You see of that, the right. gameplay and you're like, ah, oh, it seems like it's fine. Like there's nothing yeah. weird, like janky animations or mm-hmm. anything like that. It looks know. good. Looks good enough. Actually, that's true. There was one game. I'm not going to name it, but there was a game I bought recently, um, and it was like a, it was a cute little multiplayer game. Uh, bought a copy for my wife too. It was like, ooh, because like we had, we we've been we haven't had a good like like you know spouse game to play over a weekend for a long time. Like Terraria was really the last right. one and we're just tired of it. Now. Diane and I are looking for one right now. For yeah, there's just, coming up. there's fucking nothing. Mm-hmm. So, so I was like, Ooh, maybe this is going to be one. Uh, so I bought it. It actually had pretty, like decent reviews, but not that many, but I had decent reviews. I bought it, gave it to Jenny. And then I sat down to give it like a test run just to like see what the game was about. And the first thing I noticed upon booting up the game was that the characters didn't blink. Mm. Now, this is a fucking cardinal <laughs> sin. Mm-hmm. If you're making a game and you're listening to this and your characters don't blink, get your shit together. But it was like, there was no life in the game yeah. at all. So, so I was annoyed immediately. Cause I, cause I know from, from us, you know, doing this and from talking to students who are making games where this is always the, the thing that, that we tell everybody, cause nobody, nobody actually puts life into their characters. In their Everything world. must blink. Everything must blink at minimum. Even robots. You may, notice, robots. you may notice that Juice Box blinks in Crash Yeah. He's a robot. Yeah. <laughs> the packages they also blink. blink. They, because they have eyes. Yeah. So it's got to blink. Um, and, and, you know, and things have to kind of breathe, right? There's got to just, there has to just be movement. So it feels mm-hmm. like it was alive. So this game just felt so fucking static mm. that I was immediately just like, just turned off, you know? Mm. But I didn't, there wasn't a gameplay trailer for this thing. Because the screenshots actually look pretty good. It was like cute, kind of like but you retro yeah. kind of art. You know, like it looked kind of nice, but in it like in stills, in stills, it's blinking. It, it didn't <laughs> right, it, but it looked like it was like in that gray area between amateur and professional. You know, where mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is probably a pretty Give good a indie go. game. Uh, but then when I actually booted it and saw it, you know, running and it was live, and I was like, oh no, what have I done? You're just staring into this character's cold, dead eyes the whole time. Yeah. I think, so I think you're right. I think I think a gameplay video is a reassurance. Mechanism. So one one good example of the opposite of that is a game called Secrets of Grandia. Oh yeah, which right. they have multiplayer. So yep. I think Diana and I might, might be trying that one out. But they do like everything is animated to such a high degree that it's it just feels amazing to run max. around in their place because there's people just like walking around. There's people. Uh, at one point, there you walk into one of the, like near one of the houses and someone's like actively carving a statue. And then later on, when you come back, it's done. <laughs> nice. And you're like, damn, that's good. Yeah, the world know? feels alive. Someone who's yeah. standing by a window cleaning it. This is like a this is like a 13 frame like animation. If you, yeah. like, if you walk up to that person, do you just hear like, <laughs> probably <laughs> their attention to detail is ridiculous. Yeah, but it's weird because it's a pixel art game. Yeah. And still they went to that extreme to yeah. like make the world feel yeah. alive. And you wouldn't have to go that far. Cause if, if all you do is just had your characters just kind of breathe a little bit, you know, bounce mm-hmm. up and down a bit, just be in different places sometimes to seem like they were doing stuff, right. you know, you I'm, don't have to take it to that extreme and you can still get a lot. No, out. I know, like our, our approach to that would be basically like to take a character, put him next to the window, call it like window washer, Steve. And then just when you talk to him, you'd be like, I'm on break. 
Because now he's still got personality. Right. If it feels like he was doing something, it and tells you'll do the story. the work for us of animating. Yeah, you'd be yeah. like, I'm sure if I came at a different time, Steve would be totally into washing that window. But right now he's <laughs> yeah. on break, so I'm not going to bother him. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's that's generic, our lazy dev style. <laughs> we've talked about the generic animation, like something that you've seen in, uh, actually a lot of games do this now, but World of Warcraft, a good example again, where anytime a character was doing a thing, they just had a particular like hand motion that they did yeah. where like the trolls just sort of like pounded their hand on their fist. Yeah, they do like a, yeah, like a paper rock scissors yep. move. So they're just sitting there doing that and you're like, I'm making a potion and they just start doing that. Or you're like, I'm summoning my mount. They, they just, just like pound their fist. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird magical system. But um, it was very disorienting actually when uh, later on, I think it was in, like around Mists of Pandaria. So the game had been out for like seven or eight years or something like that. And they added a feature where when you open your map, your character actually pulls a little map out of their pocket and then like opens the map and starts like looking at it. Mm -hmm. Right. Which it's always weird to see somebody on their mount and they're like, they're like riding across the world and they're just like <laughs> looking at a map while they're driving. <laughs> Texting and driving. But it's weird because, because that animation actually serves to highlight how weird the other one is. Right. right? When, when the only animation was just like weirdly slapping your hands together, then it was like, yeah, you can just fill in the blanks. But as soon as you have more detail for something else. Now you got to have it everywhere. Now it yeah. makes the, the hand slaps. So we, yeah, we, we refer to this as the as a, a ratcheting system. Ratcheting fidelity. Yeah. So in the case of our, our graphics, if it's the case that we take one thing up, Slightly higher than everything else to the point where you can actually tell. Then you've raised the standard. Now we have to either go back or not do that. So this actually started happening toward the end of Crashlands where the my ability to do art and the art generally had progressed enough that I could actually do better art like had right at the end. But I had to tone it down because it started not fitting, which is a mm -hmm. weird place to be in. Good place, but a weird place. It is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, we don't have that problem this time. No, Scuffle nope. Buddies does look real good right now. You guys don't get to see it, but it looks real good. <laughs> And, and Adam is a is an honest bystander because he's mm -hmm. not working on Scuffle Buddies directly. Mm -hmm. Yep. Every so often he just walks by and he goes, that looks good. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we're doing it okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So I think we have time for one brief question before we end the show. Uh, this question comes from Giant Muskrat, who says, you mentioned on another episode that you don't like the Schrodinger's coffee cup that is created when you have a black coffee cup because you can't see the coffee mm. inside. And you end up not drinking because you don't realize whether this it's This is just a problem for Sam and Seth, by the way. Right. He said, your solution was like to it. have clear glass mugs instead. How can I demystify what is in my black mug that I got from the Butterscotch <laughs> merch store? <laughs> right. So we are selling mugs at our merch shop and they're, they're black. We well, know, so I guess I, clear. I feel somewhat comforted that this is not a rage point just for myself, but rather is just a problem for everybody else. So but how do you feel about having enhanced this problem for other people. Yeah, we're spreading misery throughout the world with our mugs. With our mugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we we now how many how many undrunk halves of coffee cups they get have cold. we created? To be fair though, my mug today is clear and it got cold just cuz apparently that's just yeah. what I do. I think mm -hmm. Maybe well, it's a personal problem more so than anything else. But we also we've gotten requests for lighter mugs. Or the internal request is for lighter mugs because they cost so damn much to ship. Um, yes. Which would probably be nice for everybody who's buying them. Exactly. So, or so maybe actually, that we could get just like a really horrible plastic plastic mug. <laughs> we get like one of those paper cups just right on it. Yeah, oh, yeah we could just get solo <laughs> cups, red solo, solo cups. cups. Well, you we can just, see in those, and then we'll sell it, and we'll oh, just call shit, it yeah. mug, but in quotes. <laughs> or here's here's what you do: you buy yourself a shipping scale. Okay. Okay. You know how Who much does we do? Yeah. Oh, no, you just leave it on the shipping scale. On your desk, you keep a scale, ah. right? You just weigh out the mug. You you zero out the scale. I'm with right? you. I hear you. When okay. with so, an empty mug, yeah, yeah. So then once it hits zero, then you know you're actually done. Right. Then you now have a, you now have a HUD basically. <laughs> but you're gonna, you're, gonna, <laughs> you're gonna need one that doesn't drift though, because a lot of scales will kind of drift over time. Yeah, you got to get a high quality, it's probably really like a, at least a hundred dollar scale. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, it should probably also be a USB scale with right. a with a heating element inside of it so it can also keep your coffee right. warm. and you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna probably hook it up to an arduino or something yeah um so that it sounds off some kind of shrieking alarm you know when it reaches yeah past so a to yeah. to save you from this pain point with one of our products we're coming out uh with this we got a new line of Ooh, products <laughs> and then it, then it can talk to a web api maybe through bscotch id for example mm. Uh, that you can right. hook your coffee maker up to so that 
once your coffee in your cup hits a certain level, then it turns on your coffee maker because mm. it's time for more, you know? So yeah. Mm -hmm. By the time you have those last like three sips done, boom. More then coffee you run into one of these scenarios, kind of like when you go to a restaurant and, and the waiter or the waiter keeps refilling your, your water glass just nonstop yep. mm -hmm. and you have to drink it. Yep. It's the only lot. I mean, you can't just move. not drink water that's in mm -hmm. front of you. That's fucking crazy, right? Mm -hmm. So you just keep drinking it, keep drinking it, and then you have to go to the bathroom 35 times during dinner, yeah. right? So I feel like this is an appropriate solution yeah. mm -hmm. to the problem. <laughs> I agree. I like so, it. No, it's a, it's a very good point. It's also a very funny misstep of ours. Or perhaps, you know. But again, learning. I feel fine about it. So Me too. Because some people do like mugs yeah. that are black. So there you go. Yep. It does create sort of a sense of spookiness, you know. What's in there? What's in there? Your, your soul is what's in there. That's right. Mm -hmm. Every time you look inside, that's what you're actually it's, Well, seeing. it's Schrodinger's coffee cup. Anything could be in there. Well, that's that's how, I think whatever's in there could be alive or dead, I think. There could be a dead cat in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be real careful. Sipping Actually, it's true. Yeah, because in, until until you look inside, the waveform hasn't collapsed yet. Mm -hmm. So you just... It might be dead cat. So you, that's why cat. you got to watch that scale. And that's if right. It ever if it gets real heavy, all of a sudden, <laughs> there's a dead cat in your cup. Do not do not, put do not drink lips. it. Just empty that shit out. Yep. Clean it. Mm -hmm. Get yep. yourself a refill. <laughs> yep. How spooky would that be if you're just sitting there and the scale starts climbing up? Uh-huh. Your desk like, starts creaking. <laughs> <laughs> the sounds of a cat echoing. Through I'm your pretty sure head. this is the, the story arc of Stranger Things season two. <laughs> yeah, sorry for sorry about the spoilers. <laughs> we should actually get some clear mugs for the, the cup side the down. Yeah, some, yeah. Of, some with like uh, some little gradations on them for like number of mills, I guess. Mm, maybe a dang, maybe a dang measurement. Ooh, cup. a dang meter. <laughs> so it's like, oh, dang, it'll be a dang, dang. My, yeah, my dang tank is full. Yeah. Yeah, it's a coffee cup, right? There we go. Because, yeah, because I think probably your, how much coffee you have left is probably an accurate reflection of your dang tank. Because basically what should happen is once, <laughs> your, once your dang tank runs out, then you switch to your can we not mug, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry about a lot of dangs. Can we not? Well, yeah, your coffee cup just tells a story, the story of your life throughout your day. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, we actually we do need a mug that just says "dang tank" on the side. Yeah. It needs the measurements, yeah. and it, yeah, it needs it needs to be a clear mug with measure with a measuring. And, and it's number of dangs, I assume. Are there yeah. is dang the unit, or is there some is there some yeah. unit of dangs? There's a unit of dangs. Yeah, it's you. Well, you have discrete dangs. Can you have milladangs? And sounds good. Yeah, me. I mean, <laughs> once once you, once they're in liquid form, scented dangs. I mean, li liquid dangs can be, you know, they're continuous. Is there some way to, to? I mean, how many dangs could one person have on a given day? Could About you have a ounces. mega dang? I want a oh. I want like a giga dang. <laughs> I want a liter of dangs. A liter of dangs. Yeah, I mean, you you basically start with a liter, and then sometimes this, mm, this so is, it's volumetric as well as. <laughs> Right. So somehow numerical. Right. right. Okay. <laughs> yes. Right. So, so the real problem is, and this comes back to, again, anti-fragility, right? Probably. Yep. So if you did nothing the whole weekend, then you have become weak. Yeah. Right. You have become Your dang tank has. Right. You've become weakened. <laughs> that's, why they, that's why they call it the weekend. So, so you do nothing on Friday night. You do nothing on Saturday. Mm -hmm. You do nothing on Sunday. Sunday evening rolls around and you're like, fuck, I got to go to the grocery store. Mm. Yep. Now all of a sudden this is a, monumental task. Yeah. Because, because that's like easily like a 10 milladang exercise. Well, you know? but, the, but here's but the problem. The, the, the fewer dangs you spend, the more expensive, the next dang consuming activity you going into dang debt. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Cause you, you, you don't just build up excess dangs. You hit your dang cap yeah. over the weekend as you become weakened. And then <laughs> you don't spend any dang becoming weakened is just reducing the, the max volume of your dang. Cap. No, your volume, max volume stays the same. It just increases the price of the uh, next thing, right? Which means like by the time you hit the end of the weekend, you've gotten so weakened that you, <laughs> you, that there's like your dang, going dang to the, conversion Yeah, is going like to the grocery store, all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I only got a liter of dangs. But and going to, to the grocery like store, it now takes six gallons, mm -hmm, right. you know? We yep. don't do. And part of the problem too is you got to convert the dangs from gallons to liters, which that takes some dangs by itself. Yeah, and, you and then you got to give a dang about how like this whole imperial mechanism we have for no. What is that stoichiometry? Yep, you, you got to do, do some stoichiometric do some analysis of your dangs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which that takes dangs, and then you're out of dangs by the time you're even got your keys in. Your it becomes a circular dang problem. Yeah. So again, remember you're anti-fragile, which means don't get weakened over the weekend. Mm -hmm. 
That's right. Otherwise, you'll run into dangs, and then you'll be hungry on Monday. Yep. yep. <laughs> Keep that dang tank running hot. We'll look into this whole uh, see-through dang tank mug concept. <laughs> once, once all of our merch runs out and we have some more money to stock up the wares, we'll uh-huh. do something. All right. So we'll have an update on that next week. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see if we can figure something out. So, all right. That's all the time we have. So we'd like to thank our studio wrangler, Monique, and our producer, Fat Bart, for putting this episode together, as well as the B-Scotch dev team, Andy, Tifa, and Sure for having our back while we record this podcast. Special thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord and forums running. And if you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, hop into our Discord server at bit.ly slash bsdiscord. Come say hey. We're in there lurking. Sometimes we say hey back. It's pretty nice. Also, if you'd like to adorn your body or your desk with Butterscotch merch, uh, head on over to our merch shop, which is at shop.bscotch.net. Or your phone, or your bicycle, or, yeah. your, or your bumper. Oh, I thought you were offering alternatives <laughs> to the website. We do. <laughs> you, can go to, you can go to I'm, shop. I'm referring to things you can adorn. You can go to shop.bscotch.net. You, you can go, go to your, your bumper. <laughs> you can go to your bumper. You can go to your pants. Uh, also, if you'd like to adorn us with your swag, we have a mailbox uh, over at mailbox.bscotch.net. Uh, sometimes we get candy. Sometimes we just get nice notes mm-hmm. we appreciate all of it and we will eat whatever you send even <laughs> if it's not edible yep. so yeah, be very careful uh so be careful about that it just bear our safety in mind thanks <laughs> uh and if you'd like to send us something that's over at mailbox at bscotch.net so thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week goodbye bye, bye.